Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Chief Executive Podcast. I'm Mark Thompson, and I have this rare privilege of being able to work with the world's greatest chief executives and people who are on their way to that office. How is it that you find that calling, that sense of self that allows you to be the very best version of who you can be? And working with some very ambitious, very bright, very gifted people, the ones who are the most creative about that journey are the ones that do the best. And one of those people is Cristiano Amon. I am so privileged to be a thought partner with him, a coach for many years. Here's a man who started in Brazil with a passion for not just technology, but entrepreneurship. And now will be stepping in as chief executive officer of Qualcomm, the epic chip company that's transforming the way we enable, empower, and serve the world. Listen to how Cristiano maps out what he's learned with humility and ambition, that, that incredible balancing act that we all must have between the audacity to believe that you can do something great and at the very same time, the humility to know that nobody does it alone. Well, welcome, Cristiano. Thank you so much for being here on the Stanford CEO Summit. I so appreciate seeing you, my friend, and I'm so proud of the, the incredible progress you've been taking Qualcomm on. Thank you for being here. Mark, good to see you. Very happy to be here. It's my pleasure. Also, uh, good to spend some time with you. I know we've spent some time together in the past. It's, it's been a while, so uh, thank you for the opportunity. Thank you. I, I'm so delighted to hear how you've created this sense of uh, urgency and and momentum for Qualcomm. It's been through many different crucibles as many technology co companies have been. Could you talk a little bit about how you are most excited about some of the areas where you feel that there's growth and, and how you're engaging employees with that messaging? Uh, very good question. Look, it will sound strange if I don't talk about 5G, right? So one of the most exciting uh, uh, thing for Qualcomm right now is 5G. We've been, you know, our company in our history has always been about uh, wireless and we, you know, we take pride of uh, over, you know, the, the past, uh, you know, decades to being driving the pace of innovation across digital cellular, 3G, 4G. But 5G is so unique. It's the first time that it create an opportunity for the company beyond uh, cellular. And with that, we're seeing demand for the technologies of Qualcomm across virtually every industry. And this is an exciting time for me, exciting time for the company, for the employees. We have an opportunity not only to be the company behind uh, smartphones, but also being in cars, in the home, in the internet of things, in computers. And uh, that's really uh, you know, a new era uh, for the company. That's what we think about the future is going to be. When you think about the benefits that really creates for society in the greater world right now, I feel as if the work that you've done over the, your lifetime as a technologist, the technologies that you create have made life better for the world in many different ways. How, how do you think about your career that way in terms of as an inventor, as a technologist, as an engineer? And you know, why are you showing up for, for this journey? Thank you for asking this question. This is something that is uh, uh, near and dear to me and to a lot of people, Qualcomm. Uh, if, you, if you just 
take a moment and uh, and look of your smartphone today. You probably are going to agree with me. It's your inseparable device. And uh, the smartphone is the largest development platform ever created by mankind. But what unique is not only changed society, but it was being the biggest, by far, the biggest contributor to close the digital divide. It wasn't that one computer per child that did it. It was the smartphone. In many countries, uh, you know, people got the ability to get access to information, uh, feel empowered, connect to the internet, connect with others for the very first time to a smartphone. And uh, that it's an incredible, uh, you know, good position to be in. You know, that's what we tell our, in our engineers, what you do is actually gonna change society. And uh, when I think about what happened to date with cellular uh, and where we go in with 5G, uh, you continue building on that story. For example, uh, a lot of people, uh, as I said before, you know, got access to computing and internet to this to the smartphone for where we can put a computer in the palm of their hands. And that's true if you look at a lot of emerging markets, uh, markets like Brazil that I came from, India, and many others. But now in the 5G era, we're going to democratize computing power. You, by connecting to the cloud, you bring the power to the cloud and it doesn't matter if you have a phone, you will be able to have the computing power of a workstation leveraging mm -hmm. the cloud. And that's incredibly transformative when you think about the power that you're gonna give in people's hands and continue to change this digital divide. Now, the other part to answer your question, it's uh, for, for somebody that has a technical background, that works in a company uh, you know, of engineers and, uh, and is really passionate about a technology. It's, uh, it's really uh, rewarding to see not only how ideas that sometimes they start in discussions, you know, end up becoming uh, good business, but more important than that, you can see you know, uh, that footprint of that idea in how the society works. And that's how we feel about uh, many of the things we do at Qualcomm. When I think about your journey coming from Brazil, could you talk about how that journey may have started uh, and led you to, to want to have the kind of impact that, that you're being invited to lead today with so many extraordinary people at Qualcomm? Uh, no, absolutely. And uh, I, I have to tell you, Mark, uh, you know, I will never imagine, not in my wildest dreams, that growing up in Brazil, I will be, you know, be the incoming CEO of Qualcomm. Uh, you know, it's uh, like I'm. Uh, uh, I can't really talk about it. It's uh, it's like too much for me to handle. But but uh, let me tell a little bit about this uh, story. I, you know, I I started my you know being born, raised, educated in Brazil. I went to actually uh, to college in Brazil. At the time, I remember the conversation. My father said, Cristiano, you can do anything you want as long as you go to engineering, medical school, or law school. Those are the three options. So I always like, uh, you know, math and, you know, and physics. And I said, okay, I'm going to go. I go the engineering route. And uh, left Brazil uh, first time, actually, to move to Japan. I started working my career out of a I was working seller. Uh, my whole career working seller. Um, and I started working for a Japanese company called NEC. That's my first job out of college. Uh, and about a year into it, they transferred me to the headquarters. And, and uh, there I go. I left Brazil and for the first time in uh, 1994, moved to Japan. As I was living in Tokyo, I got to know this incredible company called Qualcomm. Then, and and, and, was, and uh, you know, it was interesting. I, I came on a business trip working for um, 
uh, NEC, and it was the first time I traveled to the United States into San Diego. And I landed in San Diego in 1994. And as soon as I got off the airport, I said, wow, I want to live here. And, uh, and, and then I met Qualcomm. I was super impressed. Qualcomm's not that big at that time. It was a small company. And coincidentally, I, know, I, I guess they liked my work. They, they made me an offer. And I joined Qualcomm. And it's been an incredible journey, uh, more than 25 years in the company. And like I said, I could never imagine joining as an engineer. And one day I will become CEO of this incredible uh, corporation. I don't meet many Brazilians who are running global corporations like yourself. And you've, um, you've had a journey that is very special um, and, and brings that kind of diversity of thought and vision. And you've had that vision to think internationally about everything from supply chain to sourcing talent. How would you coach uh, an incoming executive who's, who's taking on more responsibility in the organization to think internationally and to think also in these larger framework, as you said, you wouldn't have imagined it as a kid, and yet you must have started to imagine that as you sought each level of learning that would, would bring you into more responsibility. It's a great uh, topic conversation, this issue about uh, being a global company. Look, we're a global company right now. And I look, yeah, without, without uh, pointing uh, or saying names, but it's easy to conclude. When you look within the cellular space and uh, across infrastructure devices, semiconductor companies, it's, it's kind of an interesting uh, uh, journey. Companies that, were, that had the very small domestic market, uh, they had, uh, uh, you know, in some cases, been more successful because they have to be global at the get-go. And companies that have a very successful uh, domestic market, for example, American companies, Chinese companies, uh, and if you and you're so successful in your own domestic market, how you think about the business, how you think about engaging with uh, customers, how you think about uh, the product, you tend to think that the way you do that is exactly the same way you're going to do in other markets. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't work. And what I learned early in my career, you have to be globally always. And that's even for marketing, for marketing, for government affairs, for everything. You have to always be globally leveraged as a big company, but you have to be locally relevant. And, uh, and, and I feel that that's one of the things that helped me in my career, help uh, some of the, 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 in my journey within Qualcomm. And to be able to understand how you can uh, be successful in, in the global market by understanding that the market by being global is very different. And I'll give you my personal experience. Uh, I, I don't talk about it. Some people within Qualcomm, they talk about that, uh, you know, about me. But one of the, the personal projects that I had, and it took me seven years to get to scale. And I started from like zero. It was to build you know, our business in, in the China uh, domestic market, in the mobile market. Um, many companies, many European companies in the GSM era has not been successful in China. And you have some of our competitors in China uh, been kind of displaced many of the uh, former European leaders in the semiconductor space because the business model, the engagement model was different. And it was a point in time you know, I was uh, in charge of the product roadmap of Qualcomm. I was traveling to China once or every twice a month. 
just try to understand how can we how can we succeed in this market? And after seven years, we, we became uh, the number one. And it took that. It took the, the ability to uh, understand how we can leverage our global technology, but we have to be locally relevant. And I think that's uh, advice that always worked well for me. You know, that idea of being able to have the global impact uh, once you've had the local relevance uh, is profound in terms of how companies operate, how their products get traction, and, and also how our ideas, I think, as leaders have traction. In, in my careers, I migrated from being a, a chairman and chief executive of companies and a builder of companies to become an executive coach. I, I look at you as a person who's great at coaching people uh, to develop themselves. And, and it's been a privilege to have an opportunity to, to learn from you and work with you. What, what sort of advice would you give the 20 year old version of Cristiano um, that you know now that you wish you would have known when you didn't yet know that you were going to be a chief executive someday? Uh, what, what sort of advice would you lovingly as a critic give to that younger version of yourself? Well, that's a that's a very profound question. Definitely wasn't prepared for that. Um, I'll try I'll try to be as succinct as I can on a very difficult topic, and and maybe I'll do that. But reflecting, uh, just doing what you just told me to do, but reflect upon myself. I'll just say, uh, you know, number one is uh, it's it's very important to have goals. Like if for me, when I look back in time. Uh, even if the goals are very ambitious, uh, not having goals uh, or very clear objectives where, you know, you wanted to go with your career, with your business, um, in, in some aspects for me, has been things that were kind of would slow me down. You, even if, the, if you put, you know, a, a high enough goal, but it's very important to have a goal. Second, it's uh, uh, always, always be open um, to... Um, understanding uh, how the things, the things that you know well, the things you don't know well, and you need to find people that know uh, this better than you do. Look, I got one incredible advice in my career. I have somebody that uh, that I, I work for, and he gave me this advice once. He basically said, you know, Cristiano, the most important thing for you is uh, to know uh, the limit between your area of competence and your area of incompetence. And this is how you manage your career. You go all the way to that line and you stay there until you can push the line forward. I'm sure he said that because I was asking for a promotion. He probably said, uh, no, I will guess. Uh, but but this is incredibly value uh, for me. Because, you know, you often hear, you know, people that don't succeed in business because you don't know what you don't know. And, uh, and to be able to make a self-assessment, understand the things that you really have control over, that you understand, and the things you don't, and how you surround yourselves with people that can do that better than yourself has been very valid for me. And the last comment I'll make it, uh, resist the temptation to get complacent, even when you're successful. Um, one of the key things we have in this company is we, you know, we... <laughs> I know this is going to sound awful, but uh, especially in the cellular industry, we consider ourselves in the gladiator business, right? <laughs> so we have to win. We have to win or lose the company every six months. Every six months, uh, because of the pace of technology, because of whether we win the designs or we lose the designs, 
you know, once a year, twice a year, you have to win and you have to reinvent yourself. It's like the gladiator business. You go to the Coliseum, you have three outcomes. You're victorious, you're, you lose, or you both lose, right? And then if you're victorious, you only earn the right to go to the Coliseum one more time. And, and that's how we feel, you know, about our business. So I always resist the, the temptation to be complacent, even when you are successful. You know, there was a time that accelerated the disruption and change that we're all feeling, to your point, and giving you a sense of almost existential urgency to continue to find ways to please the customer, to continue to find ways to deliver for customers, because they're also going through their own change and crisis. And, and when you talked about reaching out internationally and being relevant locally, that seems to me now to be more mission critical than ever. You're also, in, in, in the course of doing that, you've been a great relationship builder. Um, you've um, built relationships internally in the organization, above you, your peers, uh, reaching out uh, across the world. Could you talk a little bit about the, the relevance of teamwork and, and uh, relationship building and, and what that really means to you? Because you, you made an early investment, both globally and locally, uh, yeah. in relationship building. Happy to talk about that. I, this is one area that I always had the pressure not to, uh, to disappoint my fellow Brazilians. Brazilians are very social people. And uh, but yeah, I, you know, I, I always had a very high value in uh, building relationships. At the end of the day, business is all about people. If you look at a company like Qualcomm, all that we have is people. We don't have factories. Uh, you know, we, we have just people doing, you know, design of hardware and software. That's, uh, that's our number one asset. There's, there's no other asset there. And I, I, I think that it's very important. Also important part of the conversation we just had for you to be able to, you know, understand what's important for your customers. And sometimes they have, you know, uh, different paradigms. They're in different countries. They have the, you know, businesses done in, in, in a little different way. And, uh, and by, building, by building trusted relationships, uh, it has proven to be not only important to have, you know, great customers and commercial partnerships, but also for you to be always in tune what, you know, the industry, the market needs, what the opportunities are, what the challenge is going to be. And, uh, you know, I, I think that's been, you know, uh, always served me very well. And, and over the years, I had continued to build on that relationship. And what I say about that is, Trust day takes a long time to build. It's uh, very easy to lose it. And, uh, you know, and I, I think that's an important, I think, um, I would say item in, in any resume, the ability for you uh, to, to build trusted relationships and build, uh, you know, long lasting relationships. Because as I said, at the end of the day, it's just people. Mm. The trust that you're talking about just feels so central. Uh, that's the that's the equity we put in the bank, the investment we put in the bank that allows us to to grow, bring people together, and also I think to handle. And this is really where I would love to wrap our conversation today, is around innovation. So there's a certain messiness to innovation. You have to try things that may not work. You have to consider working with others to blue sky that next leapfrog event, not just incrementalism that maybe competitors have. Could you talk about the process of people feeling safe, having the psychological safety and also having the hubris of saying, no, we could do the next, next new greater thing. 
Look, uh, this is another topic that, uh, you know, I like to talk about and it is, it's very close to, to heart. That's one of the reasons, you know, I come to work every day. I come to work every day, uh, you know, in part is because of the people I work with at Qualcomm. And it, by the way, even though we're doing those virtual things because of the pandemic, I am at least now, I go to the office uh, two days in a week, even if they're by myself, there's, a, there's, a, there's something about it, about that as well. But the reason is, is because of the culture that we have. And it's a culture that actually uh, does not penalize people for coming up with new ideas. And even if it, not all of the ideas are successful. And I feel in the tech industry, the bigger mistake you can do, uh, it, especially when you are a successful and you are a large scale company, is to lose some of the elements uh, that you have when you started. Um, and, you know, welcome started, uh, you know, in 1985, you know, our founder, you know, it's just like a garage type company. Mm. And, and you have to have, you have to maintain that ability and encourage your, you know, your people to say, look, if you have a new idea, if you think we should be doing something different, if we should, if we think we need to reinvent ourselves, if we think some, someone part of our business is going to be replaced by somebody else, let's be the company replacing it. If you don't foster that, it's very difficult in the long run uh, to continue to be successful. And uh, you have to embrace new ideas. You have to encourage that. Even if at the end of the day, uh, not all of the ideas you know, are gonna succeed. When I think about all of that work to do and the, and the role that you have and, and all the creativity around you, it's overwhelming. How do you decompress if you decompress? Uh, what, what, what else is going on in your life, Cristiano, that would make us feel like, well, you, you're in the vortex. Uh, how is it that you uh, find some equanimity in your life so you can lead? Look, I, I, I try and <laughs> not always successful, but I try. Like the number one thing for me, I, I, I like spending time with my family and my kids. I'm, I have a hard time seeing my kids uh, growing up. They grow up too fast. Uh, but, you know, I'm, uh, I, I really like, uh, you know, playing with my kids, spend time with them. I, I, there are other things that I do. Uh, I, you know, I practice martial arts. It's, uh, it's just one of those things that when I am there, I, I, I can just disconnect. And, and especially with some of the traditional Japanese, there's this whole uh, concept of uh, everybody's equal. You know, you have uh, a lot of the traditioning, you have the, the bowing, you have to, you know, you have to uh, listen to your sensei. Those things also bring an incredible amount of humility, uh, you know, as well. Uh, so I do that, and I have a passion for uh, classic cars, uh, and I have two 70s uh, muscle cars. It's slowly that I've been uh, restoring. I, it's kind of interesting. I, we work so much for the automotive transformation. We have a lot. We're working with now 22-plus of all the global brands transforming the digital cockpit with electronics connecting cars to the cloud and some of those cars that i i'm rebuilding have no electronics whatsoever so that's the paradigm it's a beautiful uh, it's a beautiful segue to really connect your personal life and and what you're trying to do for the people who you really value and who matter most so Cristiano, you always inspire me. It's, it's it's such an honor to have you as a part of this summit with with CEOs, and I'm delighted to see the progress that you're making long term. And I look forward. You know, no good deed goes unpunished. You'll be invited 
to participate in, in more of these and, and pay it forward. So thank you so much for being with me today. Thank you, Mark. My pleasure. Uh, really enjoyed talking to you and uh, looking forward to see you in person in the future. Well, looking forward to that as well. Thanks for listening to the Chief Executive Podcast. I'm Mark Thompson. And please don't forget to like and subscribe for more episodes every week.